Hello and welcome to This Contains Garlic. You're here with your host, Georgia Garlic and... Mark Garlic. And we are back a few weeks, uh, not here, but we're here again. Um, I just feel like the time's going so quickly at the moment. Yeah, the days are flying by and we've already just had our summer solstice, that means the longest day, and the days are going to get shorter. Christmas again. Foster and Foster, you know, go and dig our Christmas tree up that we discarded into the forest. Well, I can't exactly say that we can't pick it back up, Mark, because we literally did discard it into the forest. So I don't think it's going to be in the fine state for us to be able to... No, but we did have a very good Christmas tree, though, didn't we? Yeah, we spent enough money on it. Jesus Christ, that was expensive for a tree. Um, That was the first time I'd ever purchased a real Christmas tree, ever. Yeah, because, like, you used to have plastic ones in Africa. Mm, mm. Same, yeah, plastic ones that we used to get out the top of the cupboard. Yeah, I mean, the same as Christmas decorations in general, but I'm, yeah. just, I'm not really for a plastic Christmas tree. I just think it, it might... Um, here we go. There are some that are quite nice, but I just find them incredibly tacky. Um, yeah, I mean, I understand the importance the and the... Yeah, I, I can see the, the novel experience of having a real Christmas tree at Christmas. It uh, smells different. Yeah, it does. And it uh, really changed the ambiance of our apartment when we put it up and put the lights on. It was very Christmassy, I have to admit, when we. Okay, Mark, wow, we did it's that just all. fucking. This is so dull. Uh, let's talk about Christmas. Um, whilst we're in the middle of summer. It uh, sounds practical, but today uh, we are going to be talking about um, technically your metabolism um, and also why your metabolism is not the problem um, and also just the influencing factors around your metabolism. Um, and I think we're also going to talk in depth, not depth, I don't know why in depth, we're not going in a submarine any time soon. No. Um, absolutely no way. Uh, but we're going to talk about also just like hormonal changes that happen in the body and the effect that that can have on the metabolism overall, because there's a lot of, uh, let's say misinformation, but also scarcity, I guess, put out there with your metabolism. It's like the biggest marketed word in the industry. And I think not many people actually understand like what <laughs> their metabolism actually mm. is. Yeah, people think that it's a very confusing um, kind of topic, which there is not a lot of, I mean, data or science uh, based off it. But the reality is it's very well documented. Um, process and the inputs and outputs are also very well documented so it's a pretty simple and straightforward well it's your body so at the end of the day like you're a living being you're going to have a metabolism otherwise you're dead so Mm. there's a summary of it yeah (laughs) yeah i think uh, it's it is generally used as not an excuse but it is thrown around when it's oh i've gotten old so x y and z's happened my metabolism has slowed down which yeah, I think essentially before we get into is not. That topic, um, I feel like we should actually talk about what your metabolism is, and I guess the the factors that you yourself, on a day to day basis, can technically control to a degree, mm. and the factors that are, I guess you could say, static or just you know what you can't. Well, to be fair, you can influence your metabolism pretty much by making either wise or mm. poor choices. So yeah, um, that I think is it's true. important to talk about like what makes up a metabolism. I think there's also a very wide genetic 
vari variability towards metabolism and certain people have incredibly high or fast metabolisms um but those are generally statistical outliers but and, and not talking about the general population yeah, but well, let's talk about what the metabolism your actual metabolism is. is is a way up of inputs and outputs that are your food quality the thermic effect of food your basal metabolic rate your needs. yeah your need your, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis exactly your eat and your eat which is your exercise activity thermogenesis yeah. so you've got effectively four factors that uh, I guess in all of those factors, there's a lot that comes down to it, and it's always personal context. Mm. So I think you've always got to remember that you can't always imagine yourself as a textbook. You know, the reality is is that there are these processes that go on in everybody's bodies, but like what we've been taught over the years, in the sense of what you might know about your metabolism or not know about your metabolism, is you know there are four contributing factors that you can. I guess, as we've always said, you can mm. adapt. If, yeah, you've got you know, direct influence over over them. Apart from, well, you 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 can theoretically say that you've got control over your basal metabolic yeah, rate because that yeah, yes, exactly, reflected by your body composition, your body weight, and. But sometimes, you know, statistically, you can't necessarily like if you're somebody that um, is just genetically not maybe petite individual then there are factors that you can't necessarily change with your bmr mm, like you know mm. unless you're going to create an eating disorder and yeah i get like if you've opposite. got you know if you're you're icelandic and your parents are six foot five and you just turn out to be an absolute monster like are you can you get your basal metabolic rate down to a we thousand could, if you really yeah you could to. yeah, yeah <laughs> the yeah, reality like, is is that like there's a lot of things that come down to metabolism and I think the biggest thing that would be affecting people on a daily basis is either that your metabolism is slow or the yeah. fact that your metabolism um, doesn't function broken. is broken. Mm. Now, this has all come via... There's so many, so many factors mm. that I want to speak about on this, but when, when it comes to just being a general population person who potentially, normally your metabolism being slow comes up in a conversation when it's about your weight overall, mm -hmm. or the fact that you struggle to lose body yeah, fat. Or you've gained a lot of weight. Or you've gained a lot of weight and you've effectively then passed it on to having a slower metabolism. Mm. So I think it's important to reiterate that like when you are overweight, there's, you know, Look, I'm not talking on the grand scale of like clinical obesity, like in the sense of those that are of the percentage that would need uh, obesity yeah, specialists like a, yeah, to take like... them through things. But your general population person, there is nothing wrong with you when you are overweight. The mm. fact is, is that you can adapt that if you are not healthy and your metabolism is not broken because if your metabolism was totally broken you would be dead yeah, so dying. there's these factors that you need to understand that like come into play and that's why we talk about this in so many lifestyle factors so let's take your metabolism and obviously split it into the four components that we just spoke about and let's speak about all these components and how you can effectively either make them worse or better in your mm. body to make it functioning how how optimal can your metabolism be? Let's, let's so mm, first mm, up, let's mm, start mm. with your basal metabolic rate. So mm. Mark, let's talk about that is your largest contributing factor towards your overall total daily energy expenditure. Your basal metabolic rate is how many calories your body burns 
at rest. So if you can imagine you were to lay and be bedridden for 24 hours, how many calories will your body burn to keep you breathing and brain function, so on and so forth, with you being completely sedentary? So now that is predetermined by your genetics, your height, your weight, your gender, but then the things that you can have a controlling factor over are things like how much muscle mass do you have? Mm. How much body fat have you got? Can I just interrupt you there, actually, because it's really important to talk about this in the sense of when people say that, like, muscle, if you have more muscle mass, you burn more calories at rest. Look, Essentially, is it drastically different? It depends on it, the it works out to It works out to an, an additional three to seven calories, depending on how much muscle mass you have. But, but three to seven additional calories burned per hour for a 24-hour period. But, for example... That does that run via everybody that might go and try and build muscle or have no? I think like the higher end is obviously those that no, you need to have muscle to, mass. Their, to their metabolism like 101, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like those that have considerable have. amounts of muscle. just because you're strength training, you go to the gym and you're trying to build muscle mass doesn't necessarily mean you have muscle mass. See, when people step on the scale and people and PTs used to do this all the time, when their client used to put on weight and then you stand mm. on the scale and they'd be like, oh, it's because you've gained muscle. Mm. And it's like, fuck, like muscle doesn't turn into fat and neither or vice versa. They're two very separate yeah. things. Muscle just takes up less room than what fat does. If you mm. look at the comparison of like a lean muscle mm. versus a, the same five pounds of like body fat, yeah, the space is vastly different. So that's why obviously if you're overweight, you're naturally bigger, you know, and mm-hmm. so, and if you're leaner, obviously that means you've obviously got more lean muscle mass, but it's just something I want to say about BMR because a lot of people always bring that up. Like, oh, if you've got loads of muscle, but like, what's the, I also think it's very important. Like, what is that differentiation of like how much muscle, because does it really have for the general population mm. a significant difference yeah, I think it to does. their actual BMR? Well, you, I would say that if you, if you, if you had, if you had uh, a subs- not a substantial, but for that individual, you had um, additional muscle mass. Then I would say you're looking at between about a hundred, you know, hundred and fifty to maybe two hundred calories on top of your your normal basal metabolic rate. So, in going on to like stuff like when it comes to training and adapting that, I was obviously mm. we are massive promoters for like strength training, resistance training, lifting with weight, mm. and progressively, obviously, overloading. But this is where cardio, which is a conversation, mm. comes into play because mm-hmm. those that think that they're going to uh, dramatically get, I don't know, lose weight and be in shape. Uh, normally are pushed in a direction that you've got to do endless amounts Mm. of cardio to get there. But what actually that does is effectively lowers your BMR to the point where if you're losing a huge... If you lose a lot of body weight and you don't strength train and you're doing it via a heavy calorie deficit or an excessive energy expenditure in the sense of cardio... Mm. You, good luck because your BMR is going to be literally yeah. on the floor. No, and so that's, that's why it's so important that you and, aim. And that is that has been proven in studies with yeah. regards to the cardio only based uh, group lost seven pounds of lean muscle tissue. Yeah. So three, just call it three and a half kilos of muscle. 
And like, I will Kiss say this goodbye. again and again. But then when the, you have muscle, you don't want to get rid the of The resistance it. training group that uh, did a calorie deficit and weight trained increased their muscle mass by two pounds, but lost the same amount of muscle as uh, body fat as both groups because both groups were in a calorie deficit. Just one group ended up losing seven pounds of lean muscle tissue and the other gained but lost the same amount of body fat. So you've seen so if you're that. like skinny fat, for example, mm. you're somebody that doesn't hold that much muscle mass, but you're mm. quite petite, but you just mm. like effectively, what are we like? It sounds a bit rude, but flabby, you know, just a bit like, yeah. oh, like, you know, just like whatever. There's nothing mm. really there. You know, if you, if you go the approach of not trying to build lean muscle mass or develop mm. muscle mass, shall we say, not say, there's a difference between build and develop. There's, Building phases are very serious phases for people that actually fully understand, uh, I guess, the elements of building muscle and they tick all the boxes. I would say developing muscle mass is something which we encourage the general population to do on day mm. because people don't significantly like if you're an average person like me like for myself and mark we can't talk to ourselves because we want to build as much muscle as we possibly can we want to be stacked that's our whole fucking aim but like you know a lot of people don't want to be you know your aim probably isn't but like i speak to a lot of clients female clients particularly who are like i really love weight training i want to you know i love progressing my weights but i've got to a point where i've like slightly plateaued or i'm not really sure where my body composition is mm. going mm. like i think i need to go into a deficit i think i need to do all of this and it's like well the reality is is you should probably be sitting at your maintenance for a patient like, and be patient mm. because if we bring you into a building phase i can guarantee you're going to hate it and the reality is is that a lot of people don't want to build substantial muscle because they don't like what it looks like or they just physically are not capable either way like you know no it ju it's just that people don't want to see the scales going up, up or yeah. potentially or your increasing your uh, levels of body fat and being in a surplus and, and building muscle mass you're inevitably going to add some body fat to your frame whether it's half a percent or one percent or 15 percent it's it's inevitable so but you know trying to trying to i think especially working predominantly with women you're like you're you gonna potentially no but i'm just saying in general if you you're to go to an average general population individual and you say to them you're gonna potentially look, put on a little bit of body fat and your weight's gonna go up that's not something that somebody wants to you know do. one in 100 people would be interested in that and that would you i know. don't really think everybody should be interested in. i think you should have those you know like we all don't need to do the same thing no. and i always say this it's like no, no because I think... we're manically obsessed with it do you know what i mean it doesn't mean that everybody else has to be manically obsessed with it and also like i don't want to like to be honest with you i don't want to look like a flabby petite person yeah, but there's levels i guess versa. they don't want to look you, like a yeah muscular. but your average person does not exercise full stop so just getting them into the gym and introducing them to a level of stimulus with resistance is going to yield some return but when it comes and you know and you start shifting gears and changing lanes to the people that are becoming more and more uh, serious with their training and their nutrition then you know the conversation is completely different it's like talking about tiger woods and talking about a guy that plays social golf on a Sunday, do you know what I mean? The like, beers, yeah. Yeah, the, there's But, but the reality levels. is, if you're skinny fat, for example, like the, what I was just saying, where you don't really hold that much, 
you know, you have to do everything in your absolute power to try mm. and develop lean muscle mass because otherwise, you know, you say, and I'm, I'm speaking, I speak in like a weird way, but you say to us, because I say this a lot, because a lot mm. of people do say this to us, mm. oh, well, I'm really petite and my basal metabolic rate or my calories, my TDE sits really low. Yeah. Like, what the fuck do I do in this position? Mm. And you're like, well, if you have any well if you want to have a will to live do mm. i mean and not like yes. make yourself miserable you do your absolute and best avoid a deficit at all costs to avoid a deficit to stick at your maintenance to understand nutrition and all the elements mm. that come with developing muscle mass because developing muscle mass does not just happen in the gym mm -mm. yes you need the adequate stimulus mm -hmm. but a lot of it is coming from what you consume on a day-to-day -day basis exactly. i know and i've worked with multiple people mm. who do not or will not adhere to their nutrition they will nail the gym five times a week and mm. their body composition looks very average yeah. and that sounds rude but that is the yeah but the, the reality is exactly if you're if your nutrition if you're and this is where the you tread the line between if it fits your macros flexible fueling and yes. then like your traditional bodybuild bodybuilders which are like lean proteins simple carbs you know same meals very monotonous very boring very effective as opposed to these you've got 2000 calories so for breakfast i'm gonna have Full stack of pancakes. Yeah, full stack bacon. of pancakes. And then I'm going to have for lunch, you know, corn on the cob with bloody... A fucking mayonnaise. Yeah, like, like something a, with no protein. Yeah, like. just like... And then you get... You, you've, you've filled your macro. Well, not essentially. You've hit your calorie target, but you've literally just consumed tons of carbs and... and uh, well, I think that also brings a fat, point of talking about... You, counting calories never... versus being aware of your overall nutrition a lot of people well, fuck, do you know what this fucks me off in our industry because a lot of people have jumped to a lot of assumptions based off of calorie counting and should you make people calorie count they automatically think it's this no 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 like I'm so, talking about the fact uh, of yeah. uh, people like uh, the the biggest mainstream media weight loss companies. Like mm. let's let's talk about like Slimming World, Weight Watchers, all the people that have been around for long periods of time. Forget all the mm. cretin coaches out there, but those kind of people set a narrative that first of all it was like we're going to limit the lists of foods that you can eat and then mm -hmm. they realized oh fuck like science is going to catch up with us here and mm. something's going to whack us in the face mm. um, we now need to bring in calorie counting so we'll bring in this sort of mm. traffic like system mm. which means you can have all your calories but what this made the reason why this wasn't successful and the, the stats say this like literally is because there was no element or focus on what you were eating it was just like fill mm. your calories whatever the fuck you want mm. and you're going to lose those weight so a mm. lot of people lost a lot of weight but mm. it gets fucking hard to maintain it when you have no muscle mass your mm. nutrition's never been catered to mm. and effectively you're like an empty sack mm -hmm. so all these people were losing drastic amounts of weight from calorie counting but their body composition and their health was mm. actually going the opposite way because they didn't have or have ever been taught or educated on mm. actually what you eat does matter no, like, of course you know and this is what i'm trying the to say diet. but i guess you know some people depending on the socioeconomic situation of the individual may or may not have the availability to uh, decent or semi-decent quality food groups 
I appreciate that. I very much appreciate there are some people in that situation, but yeah. I can assure you those listening to the podcast are not in that fucking no, situation. No, but I, I, I guess when you look at... Excuse. But they, you know, the vast majority of obesity, for example, is in the lower socioeconomic yeah, uh, classes. Always... So, but then you've got people that are like... I don't know. I saw an advert the other day. You can go to KFC, you pay three quid, you get a, a you know, two thousand, three, two and a half thousand calories worth of food for two pound fifty, and you, then you walk into Marks and Spencers, you can't even buy a punnet of blueberries. You know, no, I totally agree, but I, I don't, and I'm not going to say this, I don't think eating moderately well, if you do it on a budget, is more expensive than yeah. eating highly processed food. And I will factually put that on a spreadsheet to show people. No, no, people I know it's just an excuse, I guess. It is an, an excuse, excuse, but yeah. like, you know, there's a lot of people that absolutely love highly processed food, and that is fine. I guess fine. it is a lot more palatable. It than, is more palatable, yeah. but like, you know, when we've whacked down a McDonald's, we know that like, it's quite... It's not very satisfying. It's like, you it eat is it in the moment. Like, it is in the in moment. In the absolute yeah, moment. The, and then afterwards, the you're like, I'm sec- starving and I've literally yeah. just eaten. To yeah. be fair, McDonald's is not that many calories. It just goes straight mm. through you. There's no benefit. Yeah, there's no substance to it. So, you know, like Super Size Me, that film, whatever, that one that the guy ate McDonald's, yeah, like yeah. He, he still lost weight. He was mm. trying to prove the fact you could lose weight and eat mm-hmm. McDonald's every day. But the difference is what your body composition and your skin and everything like yeah, that yeah, would yeah, be and the doing. Doctor, the, when they drew the final set of bloods the doctor was like dude you need to stop this yeah, otherwise you're gonna just die like, that's unhealthy yeah but you know yeah. there are a lot of people who i'm i'm sorry like there is as you said there are the lower eco, you know socioeconomic people who who one have never been taught two mm. don't have accessibility three mm. that is the last thing on their fucking mind like sure. you know what i mean and sure. and i can't ever imagine myself in that position or tell people or think whatever because we're not so yeah. I don't, but for the general population mm. who, I don't know, like spend money on, I don't know, coffees out, lunches out, brunches out, uh, yeah, you know, lunch no, on the go. No oh, I've got no, I've got no there dinner. No I'm just going to fucking yeah, fuck it up. No. Do you know what I mean? I'm sorry, but you just don't have an excuse. Like no. you can, and this is what we spoke about a couple of weeks ago on a podcast, which was, we got annihilated for like how much uh, like people used to question how much money we spent on our weekly food shop. And mm. like, actually it's really not that much money when you actually work it out per day, how much we eat in the sense of how much protein yeah. and nutrients and how well budgeted we, we, we keep it because we meal plan. And people always say our oh, meal plan, oh, I'm not going to go to the supermarket and do a big shop. It's too much money. Mm. But yet, on a day, and mm. I can assure you, I've done this, Mark's done this. Yeah, if you yeah, buy yeah. for convenience, you are spending so oh much money. Like, oh, so much. It was crazy, actually. If London I got reimbursed all the money that I spent for <laughs> food, <laughs> I would I would basically have I a helicopter, you... oh, no, Mark, you never a Rolex, <laughs> a Rolls-Royce Cullinan. Yeah, maybe, actually, probably. A I reckon in, in that Maybe in the... I reckon... If we added up how much money we'd spent, I don't. Um, well, when I was obese, maybe mm. I spent loads of money on food. But a lot of my food. That you I do sp- it, like the reality is, is like if you're getting a coffee here and then a sandwich there, you know, you're spending what ten quid. Easy. And then well, and then the audacity the coffee, to turn yeah. turn around and you know we spend what 130 bucks a week. No, we don't. We do 150. 150 a week, but that's pretty much about it, isn't it? I'd yeah, say. it depends on what our week is, but on the average, like meal yeah. plan, like if you don't, cha- don't if we don't change our minds and be, f- you know, oh, I fancy something else, and we pretty much stick to it, that's you know one or two purchases a week where most people are doing takeaways, 
convenience-based coffees and f- foods and, and meals yeah. and drinking and well, that's actually going on to this point because a lot of people forget what they eat on a day-to-day basis and this is why like tracking is like one of those things which is a big wake-up call because people actually have to take responsibility for what they're fucking consuming and not just forget and it's that whole thing of i don't i reckon 80 percent of our clients have done this on a console before they've joined i don't actually eat that much on a day-to-day basis and it's like what you're eating is so calorie dense in the sense of Mm. like highly palatable Mm. that it literally goes straight through you so you don't even realize what you're eating do you know what i mean Mm. so if you actually worked out yeah subconscious uh, picking and eating and especially if you're cooking and, and meal prepping and you like teaspoon here tablespoon I don't think, here Mark, fuck off you don't ever meal prep point no five. i'm just saying and also you uh, and if you were meal prepping you had a spoon of that i really don't think that's the problem i think the meal the, the meal prepping is not the problem i think well done for meal prepping eat the grain of rice or the teaspoon if you want to it's more the fact of like if you've got kids like picking up the kids yeah. food like you know there's all these things where it's like Actually, talking of that, we went into Tesco's earlier to get some cleaning products, mm. and this woman in front of us walked out with a trolley, one of those double stack trolleys. For it was definitely she's got kids, and yeah, she, you know, and it was just full to the brim with complete. Do you think it was maybe food. a party? No, Mark. No, no, Mark. Definitely not. Like, My question to because obviously we don't have children, but I, I would like to question and query the adults that have children that listen to this point. Yeah, well, they can contact us on Instagram. My question is, is talking about metabolism and, and, and all these other relevant topics. You have a small child that is, you know, a couple feet tall, overall basal metabolic rate, probably what, like eight, nine hundred calories a day. What makes adults in their right mind feed children like 9,000 calories worth of like grown ups food and then uh, like un- not think that that's going to have an adverse effect on their energy expenditure, mental health, body composition. Mm. Well, like obviously a child is not thinking at two foot about their body composition. They're in control. No, but they're like, oh, let's give little Johnny a, 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 you know, a bloody cupcake. And you're like, that cupcake's got three three days worth of his daily energy expenditure. Okay, I really get this. But like you clearly have never had a screaming child at your feet who's refusing to eat anything and all they want to eat is a cupcake. And the the parents are fucking physically exhausted. You just give the child the cupcake because you don't want to deal with the drama. So actually, no, do I think filling your trolley to the brim with Chicago deep town pizzas and fucking, you know, all of that as like a, a good day to day basic meal? No, I don't really think that. Like, I know you've just yeah. spent four pounds on the Chicago pizza where you could actually get a packet of chicken breast, probably some rice. But again, then, you, then the ch- the kid's screaming because it's not as palatable. And he wants... Well, who... The child doesn't come out of your fucking... You don't push that child out eating a deep frozen pizza, do you? Yeah, that's so true. Fuck. Maybe you enjoy eating them, like, in the yeah, sense of... So but you don't push it out going like this child... Unless the child is allergic to food. But then it's also the disordered eating of just constantly... Constantly giving the children like, oh, I'm hungry. Okay, here's a snack. Oh, I'm hungry. Here's another snack. Here's another snack. Yeah, you've got to try and. Here's another snack. Oh, let's sit down for a main meal. Oh wait, I'm not hungry anymore. But I've just paid fifteen quid for your kid's menu. Now you just push the the thing around, and then two minutes later, you're feeding them some guava strips or whatever it is. 
Do you know what I mean? And then everyone, and everyone... fuck feeds their children I don't guava know. strips, I just, you <laughs> fucking weirdo. What guava? That's what no I would, child's yeah. eating a guava strip unless they're not. you're like South West London no, child that's what, that's in barley what, and sage, bailey and sage. That's why we, my mother always used to just say, eat some fruit. So like yeah, I hated just, that. It's like, it's like you can have some fruit or have a carrot. I yeah, have a key, exactly, exactly. I mean, like, look, like, I just think it's one of these things where when it comes to, like, children, you know, I hate to say it, if they're young and then in the hands of you, you are in fucking control of what they are putting in their yeah. mouth. But that being said, you know, when, the, when the, let's say you go to the dentist as a child, you're rewarded with a fucking lollipop, aren't you? Well, you're rewarded all the time with food. So if the mm. child behaves well, they expect it. Yeah. I've had clients whose children do that. They're like, mm. I've just done this. Now you give me the cake. Like literally, and they're like, okay, what? Like, mm. no, you gave me cake last time. I have cake now. And it's like, oh fuck, we shouldn't have mm. rewarded you with the cake because now all you want to do is eat the fucking cake. So, but I know it's hard. I mean, I speak to multiple clients and we know like to try and get a child to sit down and eat food. But I also think the parents are the image of this. If you're quite a fussy eater as mm. a parent mm. and then you, your child watches this, your child legitimately, fa- like the foundational nutritional habits form at like such a young age and they watch mm. everything that you mm. do, mm. you know, that you're the role model mm. and quite literally they will mimic your eating habits. Mm. So... If you're very fussy and you don't yeah. eat that many varieties mm. of food, or you don't, mm. you know, the child is also going to fall. Well, that's what into they. That. That's what they've. Uh, they've just come out with a whole bunch of uh, scientific studies based around food allergies, and introducing foods to infants under the a. I think it's under twelve months. Introducing certain foods that would potentially trigger an allergic response, and what they found was the group that was exposed to a wide variety of foods and liquids had far less allergies mm-hmm. or like allergic reactions to certain things than the group of infants that were excluded and Do you uh, know what annoys me the most is excluded from eating um, intolerance irritates me because oh god you know that what, is fucking every time we talk about to- intolerance i think of that douchebag tim Spector, and i just think he's intolerant <laughs> Well, no, I, we're intolerant to him. Yeah, a different, I'm intolerant um, to But him. no, intolerance is one of these things where, like, we've all been through this. Fuck, have we all been sold a pinprick fucking test? You know, like, one of those things that comes back. And I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk about a bit of a personal experience in this because when I was morbidly obese, obviously my parents were, like, desperate to, like, find the reason why I was. And obviously it's because I was doing everything behind the scenes, do you know what I mean? So they didn't have a clue. So they used to take me to, like, these fucking vastly overpriced like nutritionists in like you know southwest london like chelsea area and stuff and i was put on a diet by a nutritionist uh, probably age like 12 or 13 simultaneous with acupuncture with the hope that it would make me lose weight um yeah can you just can, it's just absolutely anyway, ridiculous and, and like oh and that will be twenty five thousand pounds please <laughs> and the diet and i come back every week and you can have some yeah. ear seeds put in your ears yeah. so when you get cravings oh you can God. hold your ears and just hope for the best <laughs> Anyway, I've been through it all. So they gave me a diet which was effectively like the first phase of the diet was like cashew. They took my bloods, like my pinprick thing, and they came back with all the things I was intolerant to. And then I was given that effectively I was only allowed super random shit as well. Listen, listen. I had cashew nuts that I was allowed to eat. I was allowed my breakfast had to be turkey sausages and blue tortilla corn chips. Yeah. 
Oh, I was nice. allowed to mix that with potato rosti. Not too bad. Too yeah, that's actually it. quite tasty. With cherry tomatoes. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Like to a full fair, English. actually, I would eat that now. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, and I was only allowed nuts. I was only allowed cashew nuts. I wasn't allowed These any nuts. other nuts. Yeah. Anyway, then that was after like three, four, five weeks of following the same foods. I then they're like, okay, we're going to retest you, and it comes back that I'm now intolerant to cashew nuts to fucking blue corn chip, you know, blue corn, because obviously I'd been consuming it and my body had never really eaten it before. Like I wasn't really eating that shit before. Like I went to the nutritionist. Anyway, I don't think he was he's a dietitian, probably not a nutritionist. But long story short. When you're intolerant to something, and I've got classic examples, people go, oh, I'm dairy intolerant. That, that's... <laughs> it's like most of the time when you don't consume something frequently, and then you do, like for example, I once consumed spicy rice when I didn't really eat spicy rice, and then I shat myself. Literally. Literally, like, literally, literally like a laxative, I yeah. shat myself. And Mark remembers that yeah, because that's the you first shat on time. Me. No. No, Did you not shit on me? I didn't oh, that was shit a different on you. What the fuck is going on? That was shit a different on you. Time, yeah. oh, what, like you shitting the bed? Shut up, did I shit on you? You Mark, did. That did one time in, b- in, in Bath. In the bath. No, no, no not, not in, in the bath. bath. People have got really bad. No, I had a... No, the one time you shat on me in the bath. That was the first time you heard me having a poo. When we first literally... got together, you shat on me in the bath. What? What? That is what? so... No, right, okay, like, let's just stop this because that's actual fucking <laughs> bullshit. So before Mark goes down a little story. But I did my... You know when you first get into a relationship and you're like trying to hold your insides together, but oh, Mark's yeah, like that's... vulgar. Mark will fart like in front of me and I just have to like consume it, inhale yeah. it and eat it. Feed you much. like a little baby. But for a woman, like the people I used to date prior to Mark were not the type of people that I would ever fart around. Like they were just like not the type... So the same with going to the toilet, you wanted to like mm. have all the music on or the fucking taps running or something when you were about to go and shit yourself. And that was the first time I just had no control over what you heard in our apartment because my stomach was just uh, like, yes, don't eat I spicy do rice that, again. No. Just like <laughs> a spitfire in World War Two. Mark, you are, you are fucking rude. That's you on a daily basis. I can make the noise. No, please don't. No, don't make the noise because that's you on a daily basis, honestly. But the reality is, when you're. We're so different, obviously, growing up with all boys. We used to all congregate in the TV room and have farting competitions and see who could fart the longest. Like, farts were just very amusing in our family. That was about it. Like, I don't think it was like an avid. Like, I I remember my mum. Oh, God, my mum's going to. I was gonna rage at this. I remember when my mum broke wind on Oh, Jane Farty. Oh my god, we were in I Australia. Could never, no, we were honest in Australia. Never we were building a sandcastle. We're building a sandcastle, and my mum's gonna listen to this and yeah. she's gonna remember this specifically. And suddenly I thought the motorbike had been like somebody had oh, started Jane. a motorbike and Jane had let one rip oh, so Jane. loudly. That was the first I think I'd ever remembered a did, fart. Did it did uh, did it all stink? No, it's just the noise. I think no. it was just like fucking hectic. But anyway. Yeah. But I think in the sense of intolerance, like the, I guess this links to also stuff like gut health and all of this digestion and bloating and all of this. You know, most people to, that come to us that struggle with digestive and bloating problems have such sporadic nutrition on yeah. a day-to-day basis that they have no consistency. Their body doesn't know what to expect, when to expect it's it. Not, it's not only that, it's your other self-care habits that really influence your digestive efficiency and 
the digestive hormones that are on a circadian rhythm. Think about which is fasting, though. Your sleep. You know, if you're if you're sleeping five hours a day, or sleeping waking up in the middle of the night and having a broken sleep, the chances of your digestion and bloat and water retention to be you know above board is non-factual. What you generally do find is because everything is on a chronological base with regards to the internal workings of your digestion and the enzymes that partake in the process, it's, you know, if you're, if you're not constantly tending to your sleep and making sure that you get adequate sleep and recovering and so on and so forth, then your digestion is always going to be rotten. But I think sleep, yes, that does rule, like that literally rules things. But I also just want to talk about those that go think it's a good IP. Okay, so intermittent fasting, let's just, I'm going to quickly do a brief overview. Intermittent fasting technically just restricts the time that you eat so that it hopefully reduces the amount you eat throughout Mm. the day. So then overall puts you in a calorie deficit. That's if you adhere to it and the calories and all the rest of it. But moving forward from intermittent fasting, what it has created is people thinking that if they go Mm. long stints without food, they're going to be better off in the sense of their body. Now, what that does is fuck your digestion up. If you are going long sense without food, most likely when it comes round to eating, you're eating quite a lot very quickly. Yeah. And number two, your body doesn't know. Like if you don't get it into a good rhythm and you're somebody that's a very sporadic eater throughout the day. So maybe you wake up, you don't eat anything till like maybe like 1 p.m., do you know what I mean? And then you might snack, you might just have something really vague like a cereal bar, do you know what I mean? Like something, and then then maybe you'll surprise your body at 3.30 with a full meal. Who knows? Or yeah. maybe it'll just be a cup of tea or a yeah, coffee. Yeah, the inconsistency is not, is not good. Your digestion is like, okay, well, cool. Like, what time am I expecting food? Like, when's, like, my hunger hormones going to kick in? What's this doing for my satiety and my body? It's like, what are you doing, you know? So when it comes to, like, losing well, weight, a lot of the time gut health is thrown in as the first factor somebody needs to look at, their digestion. Oh, your digestion's off. So you need to address your digestion before you start to embark on losing weight. Yeah, but only the only people that that have that narrative are people like Tim Spector, who no, say that you need people. to. The whole of the general population pretty much have that whole opinion. Do on they? It. Mark, how many prebiotics and probiotics do you think is that the alternative to just fucking doing anything? Oh, but I do can't you, do anything because I'm think, bloated. Yeah, I know, I, I get that. But do you think people shit. are taking the probiotics under the assumption that they're going that's going to help them lose weight? No, they're taking it because they have they're being told in my eyes yeah, if on. you are holding a lot of body fat versus yeah. lean muscle you're not very yeah. statistically mm. that is not healthy okay me, me, you're metabolically so unhealthy. you're meta what sorry metabolically unhealthy yes meta- thank you for that um you're metabolically unhealthy thank you for your interruption <laughs> but you're Naturally, if you're holding a lot of inter- internal body fat around your organ, you know mm. all these places, your digestion is mm. not going to be optimal. Your gut health is not going mm. to be good. Mm. But what can make it quite good? Because you've got to remember your gut and your brain are obviously linked, completely Great. linked. And it's a, it's, it is a thing with gut brain axis. You know where you have to think about you know what 
all the hormones that signal off in the brain and all of this thing that goes in the body. But when you say to somebody, oh, but you need to, who's very overweight, you need to address your gut health before you think about embarking on losing weight. Actually losing weight in the sense of losing weight will actually do you more benefit in the sense of your actual internal functionings. I'm not saying vast amounts of body fat losing. I'm just saying if you got yourself more metabolically healthy, your gut health would naturally improve without all mm. of this initial additional shit that people pump to you like you need to measure your blood glucose at all points you're not diabetic if you are not diabetic why are you putting yourself in the position of being diabetic be fucking grateful you're not because mm. when you actually are medically diabetic yeah, that's when you have to put up with it time, it's yeah. such a privileged thing to whack on a fucking monitor and to monitor your blood glucose yeah, but they've been sold a dream problem. though because the reality is is when you look at people that are pushing the intolerance tests and all this other narrative the the common marketing avenue that they uh, that they expose or they zone in on is like diets don't work the reason why you you know have yo-yoed or the reason why you can't sustain your weight loss is because diets don't work and you need some form of personalized nutrition with inverted commas and that, that they're saying counting calories but, they're, but because they're you, you know, i remember every single person doesn't want to admit like when they've put on loads of weight the reality is is you've reduced the amount of expenditure your body has done so you've probably let walk less you don't go to the gym you've you've consumed a very calorie dense diet more calories than your body and people think uh, the connotations of those outcomes are lazy them being lazy or idle mm. and it's very confronting for you you know oh well I'm 50 years old and I can't I'm you know I'm not 30 do you know what I mean there's I'm always an excuse yeah, yeah, yeah. oh my body's done this and my body's done that and it's 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 the realization of you've probably taken your foot off the pedal because and nobody really wants to admit that. So when somebody comes and like, I'm a doctor, the reason why you're in this position is not because you're lazy. I'm not saying that people are lazy or that you you haven't addressed your metabolic inputs and outputs. It's because you're allergic to onions. And they're like, oh my God. Yeah, and then can you just oh pay my me God, 4, yes. quid? You know, and everyone's signing up to this dude who's telling people that He's if they drink... He's not a doctor, though. He's a professor. He's, his thing on his Instagram is the cringiest thing. He's the most cited something or other, and just the look of him irritates me because... Um, it's, it's you know what he's done it he's it's done a it constant a appeal market, exactly because that's all you see is hazel mere mums we're walking with their patches on getting into their electric mercedes benzes <laughs> you know what i mean who just come out of spin class yeah i find it the most pretentious and i pretentious. swear to god you're gonna come some people will come to us and go it worked for me yeah what because you were told to eat well <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> the, this is the thing surprise. is it's so vague and 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 erroneous because the reality so is much about my nutrition. they're going to tell yeah. you that you need to stop shoving your face full of processed foods and eat some vegetables and do you know what I mean it's not rocket science well, so you science. are paying for somebody's study you're, you're funding you're not actually in something that's factually fucking proven no. I'll tell you now there has been nothing founded that's Zero. conclusive for your gut health absolutely zero zero, zero. and uh, there's a reason why there's the vast majority like uh, martin mcdonald and a, a lot of other 
industry leaders who have actually helped uh, carve out Absolutely and change yeah. the actual fitness industry, the health industry, and actually and actually helped people that say that look at this and also say the exact same thing that it's it's especially in Tim Spe- he's a sellout because if it's an appeal to authority, everyone just assumes that because he's associated to King's College, he knows oh, what he, he does. Oh, and he with the COVID And, he, and everyone, everyone wants to, you know, get, get him on the podcast because at the end of the day, the health and the fitness industry is very, uh, is a hot topic, is a hot market, drives a lot of attention and drives algorithms. So loads of people will get him on the podcast so he can say completely and utterly outrageous shit They'll clip it and then they'll use it to drive audience. Like we've spoken about this before. Stephen though. Bartlett yeah. is is the one where he goes on there. And says, oh, calories are a lie, and if you drink orange juice, you're gonna get cancer and all this other bullshit. And people are just chomping at the bit, either to say no, you're wrong, or to say oh my god, you're right. And it's just it. We're just getting. We just get further and further away just, from the actual answer. What annoys me. What annoys me the most is not like I, we've gone on about this, and, and you've got a thing about Tim Spector. I just think he's a bit of a prick, and I'd also just love to see him practically fucking do this with somebody. Yeah, I'd love to see him actually supplies. coach somebody and not just sit on I'd a podcast and just shout up, out like, random I'd love shit. To see, like what he would do, like dealing with somebody that goes through an extensive period of grief. Somebody fucking mm. close to them dies. They're trying to lose mm. weight. They're they're mm. metabolically unhealthy. They've got three kids mm. to look after the it's husband completely sedentary yeah. you know what i mean completely sedentary what you're going to do oh can you just put your blood glucose on and eat a bran muffin yeah. and then just yeah. see that your blood glucose is going to spike because Ooh, you've seen yes. the carbohydrate yeah, you've just right. had a spike after you've eaten this so you definitely there's the other woman that i can't stand to eat well. carrots oh, the glucose, glucose goddess yeah but fuck what a fucking what a what a yeah but that's like but the, that's the same as people that do bar she's genuinely telling people it's actually astounding that people are like, wow, this is extraordinary. And if yeah. you're one of those people, please, honestly, like just don't yeah, even listen to the podcast yourself. or reassess yourself. <laughs> because you are looking at a graft. Oh, if you have broccoli yes. before honey and yogurts, do you know what I mean? Your body's going to process better. If you eat yes. lean protein... Before eating carbs, do you know what I mean? So you, what she tells you okay, to do is so technically yeah, yeah, yeah. eat food singular, okay, so that you you digest you just, them you, better. Yeah, you 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 trick so the body. Your glucose yeah, you levels trick. don't spike okay. so much. So, so she's like. So when the person goes to KFC, they're gonna eat the the deep fried chicken first, <laughs> and, and then, then the and then they're gonna con- they're gonna confuse the body because God forbid, <laughs> not everybody you know everyone's digestive tract and the sphincter muscles leading into the stomach is just gonna you know uh, you know uh, sort all the different foods out it's not going to mix it all together and the digest digestic acid and the bile come together to mulch everything together with no no it's all going to come down be confuse the body and then you know your glucose levels are it's almost but like then a my label question, maker. My it's question like that kind to, of level but, of life. but no, when they go on podcasts, nobody asks them a simple question. So if glucose is the thing that we need to be really concerned about, why is it that your body turns everything into glucose? Yeah, and they'll go because we need to manage the glucose ah, spikes over time. The so she put an example. I saw this because well, someone, one of my clients sent it to me. Um, she put a thing up. It was like. 
what to do in a situation when you want popcorn. And she was like, if you want toffee dripped popcorn, mm-hmm. you know the shit that's really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. something like this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she was like, what I would suggest mm-hmm. is that you change that and that you have air pop popcorn mm-hmm. with salt. And it's like, was that the, but that's that... not the same. Do you know what I mean? What's that going to do? So you're saying don't have sugar. Just reduce the calories. Just reduce the calories. You're not saying that that's not going to spike. This is a better... Yeah, it's called just making a better option. But you're still... What people don't understand... But there's always going to be a market for that, though. So the same people that buy anything Gwyneth Paltrow makes. Like, you know what I mean? There's always going to be the neurotic, skinny white woman that will buy into anything. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And, and like, who, do you know what? Actually, go. We, I was in hairdressers, um, and I said this to you the other day. I just know. can't stand how fucking pretentious people are. So the the woman, this is just because skinny white women fuck me off. It's um, so <laughs> true though. But like, please tell me I'm wrong. But like, you just see all the. It's all very affluent yeah, white you've got women dollar bills that are that are the worried. Well, you know, the husband's a head fund manager. They're living in a six-bedroom, four-million-pound house with Theodore and Cuthbert both going to Eton. Do you know what I mean? All she can worry about is her blood, whether or not her blood glucose is spiked. What, after the she's cocaine she railed up? Yeah, do you know what I mean? a glass it's of just, whispering angel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just fucking... It's, <laughs> but like, the thing is, though, like, we can say this because we fucking know. Like, literally, yeah. and like, we genuinely... I've, but it I've, just doesn't practically help the people that actually need to lose weight and are very unhappy and unfulfilled in the way that they it's look. It's just putting another... It's like a brick wall in the way. Like if somebody mm. wants to get started on just being healthier, forget yeah. the weight loss, mm. being healthier, it's just another fucking. You have brick to wall. buy into you this process to, you before you, you can feel healthy. Old no, Tim wrong. Spector or Google is going to tell you, please eat some vegetables and just eat yeah. a nutrient dense, balanced diet. And if you're yeah. really that privileged, you can scatter fucking kimchi all over yeah, it. Exactly. You know I mean? yeah. He loves. Uh, yeah, he loves being plant based and, and vegan and, and, and all that. If you can stuff. find this in your most expensive health food he shop, said the you're mo- I saw. I've obviously got a perverse uh, fascination with this tool. Um, <laughs> I don't he, really spend that much time ever looking at shit. No, like he him. comes up every once in a while, and I just get really. I feel you feel a very triggered way about. Like he was talking about his his go to breakfast, which was granola, seeds, and yogurt. It's like, is this all you have to offer people? when you uh, are giving your nutritional information. It's just sound bites of demonizing diet culture, saying certain things are going to kill you and give you cancer, and then a combination of the most generic, unthought out, you know, unthought provoking information and advice humanly possible. Um, I just I just find the fact that like I was just going on to the fact of how judgmental like people are based off other people's health and that that just infuriates me it's like at what position can some people be in to judge others on their health and like skinny white women we that have got privilege have got literally all of that running who will judge upon anything without even literally just looking in the mirror about like how what they portray and what they're like and also just the fact that i don't know i just i get sick and tired of people who 
always think that because they've been, I don't know, brought up well, or I don't know, maybe the family is in banking, I don't know, something that you are in a position to tell others, do you know what I mean, that you're not even a professional, what you think, do you know what I mean, about them and their health and what they could be doing better or what you're doing is the correct answer. And all of this shit just carries on, you know, milking in the heads of those that really need to make change and to feel healthy mm. and and all it does mm. is just constantly layer up a brick by brick mm. to put people in a position where they literally turn around and go my metabolism's broken literally yeah. and that's true and it's this whole thing of like if you're privileged to talk about i don't know all of this shit like keep you really don't have to share your opinion with people. You know, when it comes to professions, like it's about time that people realise that in our industry, like there's money to be made, do you know what I mean? And there's mm -hmm. multiple different ways to make it. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like something doesn't quite add up, either ask the question direct to them and see the answer, which is normally doesn't really add up, or don't be so gullible about buying into it and realize mm. that unfortunately, very unfortunately, when it comes to sorting anything out about your health, it's going to take time, effort, patience, because about anything, it's exactly the same as if you are diagnosed with something god awful like cancer, mm. Mm. what do you have to do? Do you know what I mean? You have to go through the processes of going through hideous treatment to get to the position where you are completely decrepit at the end of it like we've watched it with clients mm. it's absolutely miserable but you've got to go through a process in order to get out hopefully a result which mm. is good and mm. you know it's exactly the same as like people just think that all these things are going to solve their issue and and the reality is is that just like the stats in the uk currently mm. read which i was like actually astounded mm. there's more people out of work due to sickness now than there ever has mm -hmm. been okay there's 2.5 million people like that have effectively written off sick in their jobs so they're still employed but they've effectively said i can't work because i'm ill now there is a high percentage of those that obviously are dealing mm. really badly with mental health problems since covid yeah. but statistically the majority actually are struggling with bad posture and weight problems and the fact is they've come out the government have said oh do you know what's going to help manage the employment levels in the uk is it is this weight loss drug do you know what i mean this is going to rectify everybody per mm. everybody's weight issues and they'll get back into the working force and it'll be great and it's like for fuck's sake well like, i guess what, you know statistically they, obese, they, yes, yeah they, not, they, they might be they, they will what do you be have to do alongside it mark you've got to inject yourself don't you no, you've you got to, to inject, inject yourself, yourself but what do you have to do alongside any kind of drug? You've still got to, you've still got Eat to. Eat well and yeah, exercise. You've still got to do the, the main. You've just got to do it. It's so like the just... main, you've still got to do it. Like the way, the way you could see it, it's like religion almost. Like all the religions believe in a higher power. Everyone kind of believes in their own variation of God. It's just everyone's filling in the blanks depending on their geographical location. And that's the reality when it comes to weight loss. You can't and can never ignore the thermic, the th uh, the the thermodynamic experience between how energy moves and is not essentially lost, but shifts from a surplus to a negative consistently. And you you can never whether you do a ketogenic diet, uh, like Georgia highlighted earlier fasting vegan vegetarian 
you've still got to acknowledge the principles and, and the thermodynamic effect of food and, and the energy balance. Like, well, let's cycle back round to is, metabolism then, because that we've got is obviously the we've got BMR, and, and then we went on to a bit of a rant. But like, you know, these are the contributing factors that you have control over what you do with it. Mm-hmm. So if we look at stuff like, so we've done BMR, base metal, what you do at rest, and like we spoke obviously about muscle mass and you know all the benefits of that and what you want to aim for, but also. When it comes to NEAT, this was a word that came out in our industry probably not so long ago, to be quite honest with you, a few years ago. Was it actually prominent that Mm. something was like getting steps in was a good way Mm. of increasing your non-exercise activity thermogenesis? Correct. Steps are the only way that you can actually really like... It's the most quantifiable quantifiable, way Exactly. So like that's why you would track your steps, Mm. but you wouldn't necessarily track anything else it's you just can't, you can't like pattern. track washing the dishes or track cleaning the cutting the or... cutting the grass but you can track whether or not how many steps you've done and again it's not like the most like nothing is a hundred percent accurate there's so many sedentary. Like yeah, majority of people are really the vast sedentary. majority of people are really sedentary and like when we have clients come on your average client is doing two to three thousand steps a day which I know, but is it is the other extreme, much. which I just tell people, I, I bang yeah. on about this. And I, I'm sure if you're a client listening to this and you're in this category, you're fucking yeah, know my we've, thoughts we've, on this. We've had to, you Stop know, obliterating rain. yourself by doing 20,000 steps yeah. per day, thinking that you can't then maybe then, co- that's not a Because that's an overcom- for overcompensation for other areas in nutrition. You know, and Only that nutrition. is generally it's the It's the compensatory factor for not, for not... Not necessarily, but I think some people also fear, you know, maintenance or surplus. So they would then go out of their ways to do excess amounts of steps to still statistically stay within a deficit because they fear gaining weight. Like with weight loss, if you're losing weight, so I would say that our like clients that come on board that like you would statistically say have got quite a lower body fat percentage. Mm quite petite individuals naturally mm. not in the sense of height but just like mm. in their shape mm. like this is when people are always like oh her metabolism's faster than mine the reality is is a lot of these things are is what you what you see is mm. not the full picture mm. so a lot of people say oh my friend eats all this and she's like so mm. skinny and mm. like oh she doesn't do anything and she looks like that what you don't see is she probably doesn't consume as much food as you do yeah. and she probably moves fuck tons yeah. per day and that is always the case yeah. most of these girls that come on board with us to effectively try and change their body composition yeah. that's their aim it's not really to lose like I don't know, lose weight. It's more to adapt their body composition. Mm. You know, these girls well, set high targets on a day-to-day basis compared to your general population who might have weight to lose, who are doing what Mark says, the, you know, the intro of two to 3,000 steps per day. And you're effectively looking at somebody and comparing yourself to somebody mm. that does 10 times that over well, a week, they, you know what I mean? They did, um, they did reference this in another study with regards to trying to predetermine people's um, metabolisms and trying to debunk that notion that certain people can eat whatever they want and still maintain a good body composition or so on and so forth and what they found was the people that let's say oh my friend eats I've, I see them eat x y and z in a meal and they're still in shape the reality is is that could potentially be the only meal that they eat Literally. for the day 
So, yeah. and then what they also found was those people with their body composition and body fat uh, in control or in a, in, a, in on the lower spectrum, they are burning on average between six to eight hundred and fifty cal- additional calories on yeah. top of a, this the your average sedentary individual. So that's why when like somebody walks around, like whether or not they've got muscle, like mm. you know what I mean, and they're petite, is because they're moving. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Okay, there are the genetic anomalies. Do not get me wrong. No, but those, always. They are going to be statistical but they're outliers. They're not really. This, but let's. But talk there about are them. people that are statistical outliers in a positive way, and people that are statistical outliers in a negative, negative way. way yeah. So there are people, and they're a very small percentage of people that go into the gym can lift weights as hard and as heavy with progressive overload until the cows come home and see literally 0% returns because they are statistically an outlier on the wrong side of the railway tracks. But like, let's not talk about that because that's just such a But there are also outlier, people that, like... that, that are, and you know, generally they turn into, you know, world-class bodybuilders, for example, who hypertrophy ridiculous amounts from the, the most rudimental, rudimentary stimulus provided to the body. But that's the re- those are you know 0.1 percent on one side, 0.1 percent on the other side, and the vast majority of us fall in the middle. Yeah. So, actually, going back to this, like we're talking about knee. Like, if you are somebody, so I was just talking about the other end. Like, there's a lot of people that don't have control over their nutrition, for example, who yeah. will then go and obliterate doing steps, yeah. or they think it's just the way they're going to burn more. But what happens if you're on a weight loss journey? Okay, yeah. so we obviously want to lose body fat here, not muscle. But you know, you get the gist. If you wanted to mm. lose weight and you are then deciding that you're going to double up on your steps mm. in the sense of the thing, mm. all that's going to happen is you're fucking hungry. Mm. So if you're trying to moderate mm. your calorie mm. intake and then you go and excessively go and output exactly. on your exercise or your non-exercise thermogenesis, you are going to be hungry, which happens, what happens then? You end up eating The thing more. is, I guess, you know, is it's, it's, it's also not, they're not clear-cut and completely accurate inputs and outputs. So you could potentially, okay... I'm not going to track my calories today. I'm going to do an extra 8,000 steps and I'm going to eat whatever I want, right? Mm. But the reality is, is when you eat, like you consuming calories is so much easier. So much easier. you burning calories. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. you could potentially do, let's say, 8,000 steps, but, you know, this depends on the gradient, this depends on the speed, this depends on X, Y, and Z. You could potentially think, oh, I'm probably going to burn... Uh, 300 calories doing that the reality it's more like 80 or 100 mm. and then you then you add an additional I mean? meal or you you know oh, i'm gonna have x y and z and this is where it becomes a, a slippery slope because you're it's it's always coming from a point of trying to balance exactly and this is the thing like if you don't have balance and you're always trying to seek balance your body's never going to be like in its optimal position so when when it comes to doing like i don't know so if maybe you're trying to lose some weight and you decide that you're going to do excessive amounts of steps and then you decide that actually i can't keep this up so for a few weeks i can't do that many steps per day so i've done it for six weeks straight mm. I've done twenty thousand mm. steps per day mm. and then i'm fucking fatigued i'm doing mm. that on top of training on top of mm. all of this and i'm really tired and now Time i'm not going to walk 
20,000 steps per day um, because I don't have any energy to do so. No. So I'm not going to do that or my body doesn't want me to do that for three, four weeks. And what happens? You go backwards fluctuate, because yeah. your body's like, well, you were you were. And then when you fluctuate, so what happens? Yeah, yo-yo. Do you know what I mean? Yo. And then you end up just miserable. So, you know, neat is one of these things where you know, technically neat is something you're not consciously aware yeah, of, yeah. but because we are very sedentary as a human exactly. race, um, we have to make markers somewhere. Like, you mm -hmm. know, we've got to put some level of we are, adherence in somewhere. And I don't think people really grasp how sedentary we are compared to uh, previous generations. So, yeah. again, referencing studies, because pretty much that's all I do with my life is read studies, as you can tell, um, they, they've your your grandmother and your grandparents averaged eight additional miles on top of what you uh, walk on a weekly basis, and also the food was also super super unpalatable. Back, well, like even then, it wasn't Mark. For fuck's yeah, but sake, remember we watched talking. that. You're, um, you're in the war. You're do you remember we areas. watched that program and they showed uh, children of uh, this current generation the difference between their school lunch and a school lunch in the fifties. No, yes, Mark, because that? the food availability was not there. There was hardly a car fucking functioning at that time. You couldn't just drive. You didn't have Uber Eats on fucking yeah, wheels. Yeah, that's did what you? I'm saying. You didn't have every restaurant on the high street, every corner shop, every supermarket with four for one fucking deals and all of this shit. You didn't have that. So I appreciate it, but we can't be living in the 19 fucking 50s. We've got to adapt to where we are now. And just how fucking technology has seemed to have skyrocketed past the human race is fucking brain so far I would like to think that humans have got it in them to get back to mm. some level of I don't know just like be, like the, the reality is is that we're talking about this on the back end of something that happened that didn't happen in anybody's life prior and yeah. that was the pandemic COVID, and yeah. you know this has completely and I say this probably everybody ruined the health of so multiple populations mm. because it mm. just took away everything that was normal. And, you know, mm. like maybe you were in the office, walking to the office, going to the thing, and now you're sedentary at home, remote working. You know, we had two, three years yeah. like this. That's and, our life. Then. And the UK is uh, disproportionately worse off than any other European or Western nation Actually, with, yeah, regards to, <laughs> with regards to excess deaths after COVID. The UK is the highest by a factor of three. Oh, I just it infuriates me. How and and they the are and uh, the yeah. UK is is and has been uh, as of this year been labelled the most unhealthiest uh, country in Europe. Yeah, but what tops that actually worldwide is like Saudi Arabia has just been rated like one of the highest. It's yeah, not Saudi actually Arabia America's is. actually like thirtieth on the list, which you'd be absolutely astounded by. But yeah, actually, in the sense of the Arabia, countries, I, could see Saudi Arabia. I think it's Pakistan, India, Saudi Arabia, developing um, Brazil, nations. Yeah, develop. Well, also it's the cultural food, the way things are cooked, it's cooking mm. methods, it's you know hereditary diseases that are picked up on you know culturally with family. Like yeah. it's. But that being said, you know, there are fast food is also very prominent. In the thing is, like, we've also we um, I sometimes see on my social media page uh, snippets from L LBC, the radio, where everyone's having a go. There was the health minister that was on, on, on the radio program and everyone was having a go at him or who I can't remember. 
um, with regards to knee operations, hip operations, and the strain those kind of procedures have on the NHS and the backlog of operations X, Y, and Z, and how the NHS is X, Y, and Z, you know, failing and blah, 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 blah. My question is, is the I would say, okay, there are statistical uh, cases that you probably can't have like interventions, but... Like- Surely the vast majority having a deep understanding of biomechanics and injury prevention and how to address injuries, surely your main focus would not just be relying on the NHS and chopping people up to to replace their hips and knees and putting in place a preventative uh, measure of helping people address their biomechanics and posture and sedentary nature through a physiotherapist or through a movement uh, specialist or just you know try and try and nip the the problem in the bud before wait, waiting to for somebody to then because the resources oh, that are spent on regulate? putting someone to sleep putting them in the hospital transporting them blah blah it's just so wasteful why can't we just address it oh your hip's bad let's do Let's do some table tests. You've got no hip mobility. Let's try and get you stronger over the next 12 weeks before we then have to chop you into pieces. But the thing is, though, like this is what I've said to like multiple clients. They either come to us like post-hip operation or like on the verge of a hip hop or whatever. Like the reality is, is that we've all got a goal. If you come to any professional, whether it's a surgeon or not, like and I'm not saying to those that might have like, no. I don't know, completely... F- for like had a manic ski accident yeah, but you know course. what I mean like, like, I'm talking about like, those that effectively it's just gone downhill due to lack of and you know this this age range is that we're not talking in mm. necessarily in the 60s 70s 80s we're now talking in the 30s and that's the worrying mm. factor is the fact the age is dropping yeah, down and, and the younger. posture and the biomechanics is getting worse mm-hmm. and the reality is is there's responsibilities on all sides here Pharma companies pump the world, so mm. there's number one. Do you know what I mean? True. Anything to do with pharma, pharma things, you know, they need a cut. Right? So sure. there is that that we're fighting against. I don't think we're ever going to be able to win over in our particular yeah, industry. That's true, yeah. But in our industry alone, like if we're going to make the most of people maximizing going to the gym or strengthening themselves in some degree or moving their bodies, can we all just fucking at least get on board with how to do it properly? Because the reality is, is that some people are picking up these hideous injuries based off of the professionals that have put them into fucking cretiny positions. Yeah, sure. And the reality is I watched, and I have, I watch it on a weekly basis in our gym, a 70-year-old woman who is like bent over like a banana, like there is no other way to describe it, being put on a Bose ball with a fucking kettlebell doing a quarter squat. Yeah, I know. I can't. Do you know what I mean? This what? woman, I'm just like, oh my God, she's going in for another hip hop oh. now. Do you know? And yet these are the supposed people that are exercise mm. professionals. And I'm sorry to say this, Getting level four re- like referred in the sense of PT is so easy. Like it's like one of the easiest things you can actually get for the sense of the qualification. Don't think when somebody says to you they're level four referrals, it's hard to get. It's not. I mean, mm. it's really not hard. You've just mm. got to get the qualification, then you're done. You don't have to renew everything. You don't need to like learn more. It's just there. You've got it. You know. 
all these people that are getting referred, these people that potentially have joint pain or, oh, let's go and do physiotherapy, they're not qualified, have no understanding as to how to do it. Like, they have no understanding of how to help somebody. But they and should, those are the people but they that, should though, because it would take so much strain and stress off the NHS and just the UK in general if there were so preventative measures and not waiting to put people into such a labour-intensive outcome of putting them in the hospital, housing them in the hospital, chopping them up, giving them anaesthetic, going through the rehab, going through the occupational therapist, going through the physiotherapist, going through all these things. Mm. Oh, there's no hospital beds. You're putting a strain on the NHS, blah, 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 blah. It's... It, I said to my dad on the weekend, I mean? it's like, just... I said to my dad, because my dad obviously does strength train now, but like he went through uh, radiotherapy when he was, uh, God, like early 20s with cancer. And effectively, it wore away all of the vertebrae in the top of his neck. So his posture is—it's not ideal. Do you know what I mean? It's—it's it's like something you can't necessarily fix in the sense of completely put you because there's nothing really holding it up. So the the fact of the matter is, I said to him on the weekend, we were talking about it, and he was talking about his mum, so my grandma, who is now in her nineties and is not doing so well, and she's had multiple falls and all of these things, and I know that happens in the elderly now. Mm. But I said to my dad, "You owe it to me." To fucking continually strength train yeah, and put yourself in a position where you are not spending all your hard-earned money on endless care because you can't walk anywhere or you constantly fall over you mm. know what i mean you owe it to yourself because you have the availability and you can do to continually do this like and i yeah. said like you know because otherwise i'm sorry if you can help yourself if you can help yourself mm. you fucking ought to help yourself because mm. i'm sorry as much as you might be tax paying citizens and you might earn have earned shit tons of money and paid into tax that does not automatically mean that you are superior to anybody else in the health system and i've seen it with clients before who Oh, I've paid I've paid millions of my salary into the fucking health. So now I ought to have exactly the health care that I deserve when I want it. Do you know what I mean? And the reality is, is it doesn't work like that because you've got the people. If yeah, you if have it's preventative, if, if it's also preventative, then then you yeah. why should you waste? Why would you? Why should you waste resources? when other people could potentially be using or needing those resources that need it more than you. Yeah, like if you can prevent it and you can afford, like this is why I've got a strong opinion, if you can afford private healthcare, I've, like if you can afford it, like comfortably afford it, I don't think you should put yourself under massive strain, no. but if you can comfortably afford private healthcare on a month to month basis or yearly basis, or you get it through work, do you know what I mean? You should utilize that, not the National Health Service. And let because like, if you can afford it, you should pay for it. And that's mm. like, I just think that it would leave l less stress on the NHS. I don't know, going forward. But the, the fact is that all these NHS, they don't want to be dealing with people with a bad fucking back. Do you no. know what I mean? If you can prevent that, why are you yeah. not preventing yeah. it? You know? and, you should. Like, and the reality is you can, is, is we have taken people literally that have done two or three consultations with the surgeon about to go under the knife and have been told there is no possible way that you can rehab this without, you know, getting surgery or replacing your, your hip or replacing your, back, your, your knee or, spine. do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. There's no, they were told this is impossible. And then six weeks of structured and periodized strength and conditioning with the right mobility. exercise selection and mobility has them in the best shape of their life.
In the sense of physically, biomechanically. Yeah, in the physically, shape, biomechanically. It's just, it, it literally comes down to, like everything, like with the metabolism, a system of processes. The joint has lost mobility due to it, uh, it there being fundamental st structural muscles that are weak or incapable of, of achieving a certain result. And all you have to do is encourage the muscle to do that. The body is a highly homeostatic and adaptive entity that once you start to apply that stimulus on a consistent basis that is the most important uh, part of the sentence you can't do it for three weeks and then stop you need to be doing it indefinitely the body will and we have seen it adapt numerous countless times but it's exactly the same as my thoughts on like having been previously fucking morbidly obese and the thoughts of the fact that the the whole miracle weight loss drug and in encouraging mm. that keep it to those that fucking need it and stop yeah. encouraging it to those that think it's just an easy way out of doing mm. the hard work because mm. you are not teaching anything to anybody exactly. you are making them reliant on a medication which exactly. actually factually correct can literally give you thyroid cancer and it's proven yeah. you know so what are you now going to stem the one in two cancer well, rates makes, in yeah, the well, UK it, to one in one get fucking well if you're cancer, a doctor you know well if you're a doctor and you're giving people things that actively give them thyroid cancer you're going to be the same person that then sells them chemotherapy down the line or and that's the fucked thing because they've definitely got a cure for it and i know that they've got a cure for it they just don't want to give it because it's more fuck you make more money putting people through chemo than mm. you do giving them a complete fix to something well there was that leaked internal memo from jp morgan giving it to all the large pharmaceutical companies and their title was is it profitable to make people healthy question mark course it's not and it's not it's not and the, the thing is though yet yeah, on the new and this is just everything about the world sometimes you just oui. think just nuke me but like honestly like you know and especially in the uk oh with the obesity rates the alcohol you know the yeah. alcoholism is like through the roof people are dying left right and center the health of our nation is you know decrepit oh let's just do absolutely nothing about it if yeah. you're somebody that's like maybe you're a middle class mm. okay mm. pretty round i don't know person and what i mean by well-rounded is not a personality i mean well-rounded in the sense of what you look like okay and you honestly think that you have the right to be injecting yourself with shit because you are fucking lazy. Mm. And you also have the financial ability to look after your health, mm. to get a fucking personal mm. trainer, to get somebody that actually gives mm. a fuck and is going to help you. I'm mm. sorry, you have no excuse for yourself. But there are, but the, you, you, and maybe it's the Chelsea lot that we used to train with, but they, the, you know, the, know so many women that are like that. And Family, men. friends? Like it drives me insane. Insane. I can't even like listen I, to like it. I, I just know, think, you know what that's you know the woman that I'm talking about would she would oh I've got a an event in a week's time I'm just not going to eat uh, for yeah. seven days so I can fit into a dress no I'm not talking about those and people like, I'm talking about the people who are actually me. if you're say say okay let's talk no, about but where she was we the first right one now. to jump on to uh the fat loss drugs because they were look skinny people are always going to jump onto these things because they just always always want to be skinny and superior but like that's literally the way it's skinny and superior and rich and skinny and rich and like whatever skinny fucking rich and superior that's literally all yeah, of literally. like what like, you know but if London. you are here we go linda sat in a because we live in the area i'm going to say it sat in the large house at the top of the hill in hazelmere do you know what i mean discovery on the driveway husband's got an aston do you mm. know what i mean who mm. the husband 
bit overweight, loves to drink. You, she's fucking seven stone overweight. Do you know mm. what I mean? Loves the rosé. Always thinks that she doesn't eat anything, but she does just fucking eat everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you have the ability to go and get help and prevent yourself mm. being on a strain to some sort of national health mm-hmm. in the next five to 10 years, mm-hmm. that I'm sorry, I, you you literally don't have an excuse other than to utilize the professionals that are going to get you into that position. You should be so mm. fucking grateful that you can, mm-hmm. but yet all these people sit there and go, why me? Do you know what I mean? It's like, you, what the you, fuck's you wrong just, with you? You just literally, you said that uh, Georgia went and you got your hair done yesterday and the lady sat in the hair salon that spend what four or five hundred quid every two or three weeks oh yeah she was like oh i'm back oh she's like oh the hairdresser was like oh how long was this and she's like oh four weeks i was like what the fuck is this yeah but then but that would be the same person that they drop literally i was sat by the till and looked like i spend money on my hair but honestly i'm not home maintenance so mine goes every 12 weeks maybe i get my hair done and it's just a kind of these women are coming in every four weeks and some of these women oh do you have some more products maybe if you make it a bit more glossy my hair's a bit dry but i'm also morbidly obese and i don't probably like consume anything nutritionally adequate so but it's all the the diet culture nonsense and narratives that you overhear them talking about when you're getting your treatments done like oh Oh, i'm going to stop eating sugar and you're like that is the last thing you need to worry about it's like you're also aware that the fruit you're munching on is fucking also sugar but whatever like do you know i mean do you want to clarify what sugar is oh i've got a sugar-free brownie but these are the type of women who will uh, i was gonna say this earlier like they fuck it's just like get a grip I, it does annoy me sorry I'm not gonna lie there are parts of sorry I just think my god why was I brought up here but the <laughs> no honestly there was a woman the woman who owns the hair salon that hair salon I would be assuming does it very well they've got full-time yeah, employees yeah. Like, very they, well it's like the printing. only good salon yeah. around the area and the audacity that this woman who was a fucking housewife do you know what I mean she was a housewife she didn't work because I heard her oh no I'm just busy arranging the flowers do you know what I mean like you yeah. don't work okay this woman who's the owner of the hairdresser was doing her hair and she said, um, so what's your daughter up to now? Isn't she the age of university? And she said, mm. oh, she's actually going to study. She's really keen to get earning some money and you know what I mean? And she'd love to just go into hairdressing because obviously I've been her guiding force in it. She said, oh, um, so what does that entail then? And she said, well, it's years of qualifications, learning, experience. You know, you need to be in the work." so she's not going to go to university is she and then she was like no she's going to go and earn some money and like make it you know try and get a job all of this oh and your son oh he's going to be an electrician oh interesting i just thought oh because you think that university Mm. oh my family and banking so little timothy is now going to go and Mm. study law specifically in financial law you know and you just think well it's not even half of them cocaine problem in about four years time do you know what i mean he'll be living in a flat in clapham with four of his lad mates and he'll be ringing on your door at age 30 when he's fucking broke sniffing his inheritance away yeah literally so but it's not only that it's also tarquin going and getting a you know and uh, a master's degree in english literature do you know what i mean <laughs> Fuck, it's what, like, you're gonna go and read shakespeare exactly. to like a library 
Like, so you've just gone and you've spent 150 grand for your kid to go and do that to become an estate agent. Yeah. And the person that's become a hairdresser has He's worked a fucking six way years up. worth of actual life experience and work experience before you wipe the shit out of your eyes and come out of university. Yeah. No, and also, like, what was funny is I also said to Mark, on the other side of me was the was a daughter of like a very probably a Hazelmere mum who was about 17, probably 18 years old. And she was talking to the hairdresser who was apprenticeship um, who was talking about what they were going to buy for their boyfriend's birthdays. And mm. the apprenticeship, the girl was doing the hair, was like, oh, you know, we, we, we like to spend on experiences, you know, like we're going to go to Amsterdam. And like we spent, like we've worked really hard to save up for it. And the daughter in the chair whose mum was paying for the hair and all of this shit was like, oh yeah, I've got like no money. I can't do like anything without asking my parents. You know what I mean? I just thought that's the reality of those that want yeah. to go to work and earn money and those that are just sat yeah, there exactly. waiting until university's over that they can just go and grab onto a master's somewhere with yeah. the hope that they're going to get somewhere after that in a career. Well, it's all nepotism. They said that 50% of the jobs in London are through nepotism mm. over who is... B- better qualified and more suited for the job and that's always the case it i've is. always, always wherever i've though, worked in terms of gyms and stuff people are always hiring their mates or their cousins or yeah and look keep it in the family if you trust it do you know what i mean but yeah. i think at the end of the day like that is it is all about who you know like they you yeah, know literally literally who you literally. know and like it's the same as like you know we've known a lot of people in our jobs and it's helped us in some elements <laughs> I mean, like, we've you never know, asked anybody for never. anything though that's the reality most people would have leveraged all the people and the Massively network that we that yeah. we have had access to and we have not ever done that because we're still to this day known as very reliable, very trustworthy, and really nice people. So yeah, <laughs> that's sure. the winning part. Because um, those that don't and just milk it, sometimes you don't have the same. I don't know. You ask them, "Oh, what do you think about them?" and you just get some really negative response. So I, I have to say that just because we didn't utilize people or use people no. for our own benefit doesn't mean that it hasn't benefited no. us in the long run. No, it's no, no. I but no, I just that. I think it's very interesting because we haven't even really actually completely gone down the whole of the metabolism. I just feel like we need to close that because now yeah. we've gone on a tangent. But. In the functionalities of a general population, there's nothing wrong with your metabolism, but there are no. factors like we've discussed, BMR, your needs. Now let's talk quickly about your thermic effect of food, which is kind of linked back to what we mm. were speaking about when it came to what your body composition could look like if you adhered to nutrition versus not adhered to your nutrition, mm. but mm. you still strength trained equally the same amount. You know, thermic effect of food is very, very important. Mm-hmm. It's effectively how much uh, how many calories your body burns when you digest something. Mm-hmm. So thermic effect of food, the highest thermic effect always comes from protein. So that's why protein is such an essential macronutrient for you to be in taking on a day-to-day basis and a relevant amount. And it should always be your first priority in exactly. the sense of your target so that you effectively are burning more calories as you digest your food, which exactly. automatically also means that protein is obviously the most satiating and satisfying yeah. macronutrient. The, and, the, and the other very important thing about about protein is the fact of the composite depending on what protein sources yeah. you are eating got different compositions of essential and non-essential amino acids with the most important amino acid being l-leucine yeah. which is the amino acids that triggers muscle protein synthesis reaction within the body so making sure that you have 
the presence of essential and non-essential amino acids is going to help with the hypertrophic signaling that happens within your body. And when you don't eat that, mm. you know, you can get the same hypertrophic values from plant-based proteins. You just got to make sure that you eat in the right combinations sure and variations. But no, if you're not complete, eating you've protein, give some kind of complete. Yeah, but if you're not eating protein full stop and your your diet is predominantly carbs and fats, like Georgia was touching on thermic effects of food, when it comes to like fat, for example, the thermic effect of fat is between zero to five percent. That means your body utilizes zero percent energy, which mm. means it can easily just store it as as adipose tissue or it takes an incredibly low amount of energy to convert and store fat so if the vast majority of your diet is fat your body is just happily accepting that and storing it as adipose tissue assuming you're in a calorie surplus yeah so that's why the composition of your diet is so important and like if it doesn't match up and you just focus on the calories for example yeah. and i'm just consuming x amount of calories and you don't think about what's making that up yeah. you're going to be very very unsatisfied with the end result because you're effectively you're shortchanging yourself oh, so, of course, so that part of your metabolic rate obviously as we said is like you've got your bmr based which you can adapt but not really adapt no. depending on your muscle mass that's probably the only weight. And your body weight, yeah, literally. And then you've now got obviously your NEAT, which is the most uh, adherable target and thing is to measure your steps mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've obviously now got thermic effect of food, so the food you eat and how it digests and how much you burn. And now with the last one is exercise. Now, actually, funnily enough, a lot of people always thought that exercise was mm. the biggest contributing factor to their metabolism. Exactly. That's actually... <laughs> factually incorrect because it's probably one of the lowest it contributing is. is the lowest well apart, well, from, apart thermic, from thermic, thermic effect, depending effect of, food, yeah. well depending on what your diet if is. you're going stat for stat technically if it was all protein then technically eat would still be slightly yeah. less but yeah. the anyway effectively means the, the calories you burn throughout exercise and i think this became very very warped when activity trackers became prominent because a lot of people are like oh i'm going to rate my workout based off how many calories mm. my watch has told me to burn mm. or i have burned mm. and so then what was happening is oh i've burnt 663 calories it means i can eat that on top of what i already eat yeah and it was like no you can't because no. those watches are statistically so inaccurate yeah. it can literally place like Inaccuracy in the sense of like I'm talking tens of percents, like not just up to oh, 200. It's, it's um, is it up to 200 percent? I think the, the vast ones? majority of the I don't know up until the recent like whoop and stuff might be a little bit. Yeah, I think up until 2000 to 2020, you're looking at between like fit, fit, 50 got... to 75 percent. So, you know, you're then saying to yourself, like, a lot of people were rating their workouts yeah. based off their calories burned, which completely It's so true, though, because sometimes, like, you'd, I remember doing, a, wearing my aura ring and walking on the treadmill, not on a gradient, 5.5. It registered that my heart rate elevated, so recorded it as a workout. I walked for 55 minutes. It was like, well done, you burned 650 calories. I was like, no way. But that's the thing that we still there currently deal no with the clients, way. though. 
it's like, oh, my watch is telling me this. And I'm like, yeah, don't eat that. Why have you done Because no, I wish no it was ways. the case because we'd all be gloriously I fucking... I wish I could burn 600 calories just walking on the treadmill on a flat gradient. That would be great. But even if you can, and if you were somebody that statistically did, the whole thing is it's too inaccurate. Like that mm. shit, unless you are legitimately... Until something is inserted inside mm. of us, like... Elon Musk style, like like yeah. a Neuralink yeah. chip or something, where you can legitimately like wire us up to something, and we'll yeah. look like a Black Mirror episode. No, you have to breathe into a apparatus. That's how they measure it through your carbon dioxide. Yes, and that's what only available in labs when you're like. Yeah, you've got to be on a metabolic ward with you doing those types of those types of tests on a consistent basis but like general but if you were to put your watch like it's a, your, your watch just because you put your stats in like i weigh 70 kilos and yeah. i'm five foot five does not yeah. mean that you're not on average do you know what i mean so the reality yeah. is is yeah. your watch which is just taking you effectively attached to your wrist is really not very accurate now it's no. great to create a trend with it yeah but not in the sense of your calories. And when it comes to your exercise activity thermogenesis, I would never see exercise mm. as your burning calorie moment ever. No. Where I would see, okay, now I'm going to burn some calories is probably via my steps and mm. also how am I going to not intake so many. So my yeah. calorie tracking in the sense of I'm not going to eat as many. I would weigh up those factors. I would never see my, I never see exercise as a calorie burner no, i see it as no, developing muscle, muscle mass enjoying your know, mental aspects yeah. of it feeling strong feeling confident feeling great mm. i don't see it as i'm going in to burn x amount of calories no, no. because it's not factually correct it sets up to unreal expectations do you know how many people were like oh i did a hit session and i burnt 700 calories and when i do a strength session i only buy i only do 200 yeah. those watches are formed for like a vigorous activity so even if you moved your arm okay it would track it would like over track on how yeah. much movement you've done so now imagine throwing yourself on the floor numerous fucking times in a hit session whether that's burpees mm. box jumps all of this shit you're moving very multiple yeah. limbs at all different times and your watch is effectively yeah. registering that you're doing very vigorous activity exactly. strength training if you do it structured you're not moving well, you're your probably, body your, your heart rate is also elevated because you're generally people that you know, uh, live and die by how many calories they burn. It's predominantly, the statistical probability is you're either doing HIT training, F45 or, you know, CrossFit, CrossFit kind yeah. of, kind of, like CrossFit kind of stuff, but, uh, you know, or cardio-based spinning, running, Barry's boot camp, that kind of vibe, which, yes, you're always going to burn more calories because it's a high-intensity environment. It's just, but yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean that burning more calories means it's more effective. No, because it doesn't at like all. Georgia highlighted with the steps is the body is a very homeostatic environment. So if you have burned shitloads of calories, your body is going to try and claw some of those calories back by undulating your leptin and ghrelin mm. to make you hungry, to make you... Um, that's why like all of these professors always say like oh dieting's so bad because when you when you starve the body and all of this like oh, you know and the reality, I'm not gonna go into I that, just want to say to those guys shut the fuck up yeah, do well, you even lift bro 
Oh my god, you do you know what, Mark? I'm sorry, but there's there nothing is an attractive element. about a there bodybuilder. Is an ele- no, I'm not but I'm not a bodybuilder. Steroids and lifts and is fucking poor, miserable, he's got shit mental health and like fucking drinks like no, lagers, but like that's no a, tomorrow. That's a statistical well, that's on the statistical outline, but I'm just saying that you, there needs to be a combination of both scientific and evidence based knowledge plus practical application. The reality is, is just like most... Your average doctor, when you hurt yourself, will tell you to stop exercising altogether. And that is the dumbest thing that people could potentially say, depending on what it is. But the vast majority of them will tell you, you need to stop doing this. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Yes, but also it's because, you know, what they could be doing, you know, oh, you're a a runner. You know, somebody had a hip operation, one of our clients, when Mm. was... Yeah, and the hip op- the hip surgeon said to her, um, okay, so I think you're good to go now. So just whatever you do, just don't do any running just yet. I was like, but she's never run a day in her fucking life, let's be honest. She hasn't, <laughs> do you know what I mean? No. And why is that the only exercise, yeah. do you know what I mean, like you can think yeah. of, do you know what I mean? That she- but you can't do running, but you-, you know what I mean? Maybe you shouldn't run. Why are you running on a hip fucking joint? Jesus, I'd love to know, because you're going to put yourself in for the second one if you're not careful. Like, that's the reality. But, I mean... Yeah, well, we had the client strain something, and, you know, can I train my legs? No. Nope. Yeah, so I, But I've strained my pinky. Yeah, like, yeah, I know. Can I not do calf raises? No. Yeah, it's just like... Do you know what I mean? Me. It just makes no sense. It's just so dumb. And that's the thing is, like, doctors, we also, you know, it's always an appeal to authority. That's why whenever they come on social media and they need to say something, they need to have a stethoscope around their fucking neck and be in their scrubs. <laughs> I mean, look, because like, they, it's an appeal to authority. You see that, and you go, they know what they're talking about. If you're a doctor, about. like hats off to you. It's, it's a treacherous thing. Yeah, like yeah, my, that's half great. my family were on that side medical. Like I understand how horrible, horribly traumatic, or whatever. But yeah, whatever, as a GP, but, just please be genuinely fucking log- have some logic. And because yeah. I am sick of it when we get people going to doctors or they come to us in consult and the stuff they've been fucking said, I'm just like, you've literally set somebody back like multiple steps by what they said. we have trained one of the top cardiothoracic surgeons on on this entire planet and they have absolutely zero understanding on anatomy outside of the heart. Yeah, I know. I was explaining to them what an infraspinatus was and they were like, what is that? I was like, well, considering... You are, you know, the Elon Musk of heart surgery and cardiothoracic knowledge. You would assume that you would probably know one other muscle group outside of the chest. Well, it depends how long you've done it for. Like, if you fucking specialize yeah, in just, something. But you no, know, I just... So but laser then... focused in one thing doesn't necessarily mean that they've got a grasp and a deep understanding on... Well, like, look, aspect. like a doctor specialised in something is, or a surgeon specialist is very different to like a general practitioner. Like general practitioners, yeah. like is like your yeah. But even shit. when we worked with isokinetics in London, and we would sit down with all the, you know, the top leading uh, physiotherapists in the world from all around the world, and they would talk about. Uh, a, you know wrists and ankles and they would just talk about it in isolation that it would, it, they would come across like we were just like floating elbows <laughs> yeah that really annoys me it's like there is more to the you body know, going in so deep on... you know so deep on ankles and stuff like that but you're like well, well what about the what about the influencing factor of the hip joints and how 
you know, depending on where the hip is sitting has an influencing factor on the femur, which then... Mark, you sound so boring. You know, anyway, it goes on, but it's just all done in isolation where people are looking at it from such a laser-focused thing where they don't generally see it as a macro problem. Well, that's why, to end the podcast, we focus on such an all-rounded approach due to the fact that there is not just one answer and one specific thing that you have yeah. to think about when it comes to addressing your health. There's multiple factor, factors, mm. self-care habits that need to be addressed and looked exactly. after. And a self-care habit doesn't mean putting a face, like a face mask on. I'm talking about like your sleep, your lifestyle, your exercise, yeah. your nutrition, you know, and just remember like- Mental health. You can influence your metabolism. You are not fucking broken. Mm -hmm. You need to understand it more before you address situations. And stop thinking that other factors are the stopping reason for you to doing something. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is you need to come round to the conclusion that Mm -hmm. we are all the same in Mm -hmm. the sense of how our bodies process things in the process. And yes, you can influence these factors, but you actually need to do something in order to influence them. So, you know, if you're not broken, that's another podcast, Mm -hmm. so you're not broken. Mm -hmm. I hope you enjoyed that little insightful thing Mm -hmm. about a lot of different things today, basically Mm -hmm. maintaining around wealth. Metabolism. Metabolism. But anyway, we'll be back. Uh, I'll be back. We'll be back. I don't know when. We'll be back, though. So stay tuned, and we hope you enjoy. See you later. Bye. Bye.